Topic 18, First Paper, of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. 20th Century Negro Literature, Topic 18, First Paper, by John Wesley Cromwell. What progress did the American white man make in the 19th century along the line of conceding to the Negro his religious, political, and civil rights? John Wesley Cromwell, the twelfth child and seventh son of Willis H. and Elizabeth Carney Cromwell, was born at Portsmouth, Virginia, September 5th, 1846. In 1851, the family moved to Philadelphia, where he entered the public schools and subsequently the Institute for Colored Youth, graduating in 1864. He taught at Columbia, Pennsylvania, after which he established a private school in his native town. Under the auspices of Northern Charitable Associations, he taught at Spanish Neck and Little Gunpowder in Maryland, Providence Church, Scott Farm, Charlotte County, and Wytheville, Virginia. On the inauguration of the public school system, he became principal of the Dills Bakery School in Richmond, Virginia, and in the following summer taught near the scene of the Nat Turner Insurrection in Southampton County in the same state. Mr. Cromwell took an active part in the reconstruction of Virginia, was delegate to the First State Republican Convention, did jury service in the United States Court for the term at which the case of Jefferson Davis was calendared, and was a clerk in the Reconstruction Constitutional Convention. A shot, fired with deadly intent, grazed his clothing while at Spanish Neck, Maryland, where the church in which the school was taught was burned to the ground, and he was twice forced to face the muzzles of revolvers in Virginia because of his work as an educator. In 1871 he entered the law department of Howard University, graduating therefrom in 1874. In 1872, after a competitive examination, having distanced 240 applicants, he received a $1,200 appointment in the Treasury Department, in which he was twice promoted, by the same method, within 20 months. In 1885, in the early days of the Cleveland administration, he was removed as an offensive partisan, having established and conducted, since 1876, The People's Advocate, a weekly journal of more than local influence. He then began the practice of law in connection with his journalistic work. In 1889, he was tendered and he accepted a principalship of one of the grammar schools of Washington, D.C., the position he still holds. 
In 1875, he was chosen at Richmond the president of the Virginia Educational and Historical Association and was four times re-elected. He has served two terms as the president of the Bethel Literary, with which he has been officially connected for 20 years. He was one of the original members of the American Negro Academy, founded by Reverend Alexander Crummel, and is its corresponding secretary. In 1873, he was married to Miss Lucy A. McGuinn of Richmond, Virginia. Six children survive of that marriage, the eldest being Miss Otelia Cromwell, the first colored graduate, 1900, of Smith College, Massachusetts. In 1892, he married Miss Annie E. Kahn of Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. In 1887, he became a member of the Metropolitan A.M.E. Church, under the pastorate of Reverend, now Chaplain, T.G. Stewart. Among his addresses and papers are The Negro in Business, The Colored Church in America, Nat Turner, A Historical Sketch, Benjamin Banneker, the Negro as a Journalist, and other historical and statistical studies. The first named, published for a syndicate of metropolitan newspapers in 1886, found its way, in one form or another, in nearly all the representative papers of the land. The status of the Negro at the close of the 18th and the opening of the 19th centuries was substantially the same north and south. These well-defined geographical sections on both sides of Mason and Dixon's line were not as extensive then as now. Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee were the only states west of the Alleghanies. Florida was a foreign possession. Alabama and the region beyond were to be numbered with the United States at a subsequent period. The colored population in 1800 was 1,001,436, free and slave, or 18.88% of the entire population. 893,041 were slaves, of whom there were in round numbers 30,000 in the states of New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New York, and Delaware. 20,000 were in New York alone. In 1900, the total population is 76,303,000 387, with 8,840,789 persons of Negro descent, or 11.5 of the aggregate population. The year 1800 marks the beginning of an epoch of increasing hardship for the Negro, both in church and state. It was also characterized by fierce aggressiveness by the slave power, stimulated by the invention of the cotton gin by Eli Whitney and the impetus which it gave to the growth and importation of cotton. 
The acquisition of the Louisiana Purchase from France added to the possible domain of slave territory and affected the current of political action for more than half a century. During this period, the Negro was a most important figure, both in church and state, the occasion, if not the cause, of perplexing problems. In the field of religion and politics, especially, has his status attracted worldwide attention. At a very early day, the Methodist and Baptist churches had the largest number of colored followers in both town and city, but these as yet were not assembled in distinctive organizations. The right of the Negro, not only to govern but to direct his religious instruction, was bitterly contested, sometimes by force, at other times by law. The high-handed manner in which the ordinary rights of worship were denied the Negro led to the withdrawal of the majority of colored Methodists in Pennsylvania, New York, Maryland, and South Carolina, and ultimately to the formation of the two denominations, the African Methodist Episcopal and the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Churches, that became independent before the end of the first quarter of the last century. As to the recognition of the right of colored Baptists to church fellowship, the white Baptists were more liberal, for we find an association of white churches recognizing the existence of a colored Baptist church at Williamsburg in 1790. The first colored Episcopal society was received into membership on the express condition that no delegate was to be admitted in any of the diocesan conventions. As early as 1801, Rev. John Chavis, a Negro of North Carolina, was licensed by the Hanover Presbytery of Virginia as a missionary to his own people. The incompatibility of an ordained minister of the same denomination being a slave was recognized in the manumission of Rev. John Gloucester, the slave of Rev. Gideon Blackburn of Tennessee, on the organization of the first colored Presbyterian Church of the Country at Philadelphia in 1807, and the subsequent settlement of Rev. Gloucester as its pastor. That the white Baptists really manifested greater liberality in this period is obvious, because we also find Jacob Bishop, a Negro, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Portsmouth, Virginia, for a few years. The church was a large and influential one, and the predecessor of Bishop Reverend Thomas Armistead, had served with distinction as a commissioned officer in the Revolutionary War. Today, at all the general conferences of the M.E. and M.E. South, both white, and of the A.M.E., A.M.E. Zion, and C.M.E. denominations, all colored, fraternal delegations are exchanged with all the courtesies bestowed by the two former on the two latter that should prevail among brethren 
a further concession is seen in the fact of the elections of colored ministers of recognized scholarship and fitness to important secretaryships and an editorship by the powerful m e church another illustration is the organization about thirty years ago by the m e church south of its colored membership into the c m e denomination and the liberal provision made by the former connection for secondary education in the Payne institute at augusta georgia the protestant episcopal church that forbade st thomas philadelphia and st philip's new york to aspire to membership in diocesan conventions repealed this resolution after the breakout of the civil war and delegates from these and other colored parishes throughout the north and west at least find free admission sixty years ago the application of so promising and talented a young man as alexander crummell to be matriculated as a student in any of the episcopal divinity schools created a great shock in church circles and his rejection is set forth at length in bishop wilberforce's history of american episcopalianism yet both at the new york and philadelphia theological seminaries numerous colored clergymen episcopalian and others now graduate with honor and distinction Today, in the house of bishops there are two colored prelates of african descent right rev s d ferguson the bishop of africa and the right rev james theodore holly the bishop of haiti the former a native of south carolina the latter of the district of columbia they are welcome to the pulpits of many of the most exclusive episcopal churches and to the homes of their parishioners is in marked contrast to the greeting of the negro by the same communion only two generations previously in the general assemblies of the presbyterian church today the presence of colored commissioners is no novelty and the faculty of biddle university composed of colored professors by the will of the presbyterian board of education shows what this conservative body has done in the recognition of negro scholarship the conventions and associations of the baptist church in the south where the bulk of the black race dwell are still on the color line yet there is progress towards true fraternal feeling here some years since the religious herald of richmond virginia the leading journal of that denomination in the south announced among its paid contributors the name of a prominent colored divine it must be said nevertheless that during the first half of the nineteenth century the record of the white church on the negro shows not only a temporizing but a cowardly spirit this was true in some respects of the congregational church instead of leading the church followed the state the anti-slavery sentiment which was unmistaken in the later years of the eighteenth century 
became with the growth of commercialism and national expansion quiescent and subservient to the slave power the right to vote which in colonial days was generally exercised by colored freeholders was subsequently either restricted or wholly denied north carolina maryland and tennessee in the south and pennsylvania in the north disfranchised their colored suffragists the wave of disfranchisement then as on the threshold of the twentieth century dashed from one state to another in the north repeated efforts were made to concede to the negro his complete political and civil rights though the sentiment in his behalf became stronger at every trial of strength yet with a single exception wisconsin each result was decisive against the concession of the franchise to the negro it was only after a bloody civil war in which thousands of lives were sacrificed and billions of treasure were expended that the nation conceded to the negro first his freedom next his civil rights finally his political franchise one hundred years ago there were but few colored schools even in the free states and these only in the larger towns and cities philadelphia was in the lead with new york a second and boston a third connecticut in the third decade of the nineteenth century would not permit prudence crandall to maintain a school of colored girls the means employed to break it up stands a blot on the name of the commonwealth a resolution of the national convention of colored men held at philadelphia to establish a college for the education of colored youths at new haven occasioned both fierce excitement and bitter hostility negroes could ride only on the top of the stagecoach when traveling and jim crow cars prevailed on the introduction of railroads angry mobs were frequent churches and schools were the common target of attack in the opening of the west to settlement public sentiment there against the negroes found emphatic expression in black laws forbidding with heavy penalties their permanent abode in that section these laws have only been removed in the memory of men still living in many communities however these laws were a dead letter just as today there are isolated localities in indiana and illinois as in georgia and texas where no negro is permitted to permanently abide through the anti-slavery and abolition agitation carried on by such reformers as william lloyd garrison wendell phillips frederick douglas john g whittier and horace greeley the organizations of the colored people themselves and their appreciation of the meagre educational advantages afforded them prior to appomattox the sentiment of the country yielded one by one the rights and privileges of citizens until colored members of state legislatures in more than half a dozen northern states delegates to city councils a judgeship 
each in Massachusetts and Michigan, and state elective officers in Kansas, in none of which communities was the colored voting population of itself sufficiently numerous to elect, evidences the remarkable revolution in public opinion towards the Negro throughout the North. In the South, since 1867, there have been more than a score of congressmen, including two senators, state legislators by the hundreds, councilmen, police officers, city and county officials without number, but nearly all of these were obtained by the numerical preponderance of the Negro rather than any liberalizing of dominant white sentiment. End of Topic 18 First Paper